mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 11. We're going to be beginning in verse 17 this morning, but by way of review, I want to remind you where we're at uh, with John chapter 11. Uh, we're uh, in Bethany. It's about two miles from Jerusalem. The text will reveal that to us this morning. And we're at a house of Mary and Martha. And their brother Lazarus has gotten sick and died. Now, it's very important that you understand, and like we looked at last week, Jesus waits purposely one day for the messenger to get there to tell him, because remember, he has left Jerusalem because they're going to stone him. They want to kill him. His public ministry is finished, and now he's actually focusing just on his disciples. But the one that he loved is sick, and they sent word, and he has one day he gets the word, and then he waits two more days and then he travels for a day. So by the time he gets here, when verse 17, we're going to have four days. We're going to see that. But remember last week what we talked about? Mary. Mary means their rebellion. Right? Maria. Ma Maria or Miriam. She was rebellious is Martha. It's important that we know the names. Everything is in the names. God tells us underneath everything from the name. So Mary, their, their rebellion. Martha, she was rebellious. And then Lazarus is an Old Testament type of Eleazar, one whom God helps, or the helper, the Holy Spirit that comes alongside to help. And if you really look at this in picturesque form with the names, their rebellion, me and you, and then we come to Jesus, and we were rebellious. See, because listen, everything about salvation is coming back underneath the authority of God. And there's no authority except that which is from God. Listen, Romans 13. So now when you come back underneath God's authority with salvation, now you were rebellious. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And now you're in the grave and you're going to be led out by the Holy Spirit out of the grave. You're coming out of the grave. We're going to see that today, that we begin to take off the grave clothes of that which was dead because we've now been given life. So Eleazar is coming. The Holy Spirit comes. And how in the world can we have the Holy Spirit of promise, God himself living in our hearts, and stay in the grave? Be pit dwellers. Listen to me. We have to wake up. We're not pit dwellers anymore. This is not our home. We're pilgrims here. We're mere passerbyers. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
And we've been given a message. And we're supposed to be witnesses to the light of the world that takes away the sins of the world. You don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to sit around and pretend. You can be free to be yourself in Christ. But make sure you're in Christ. Isn't that the first word of the Bible? In? In the beginning? That's because God likes baseball. In the big inning. That's an old joke if you're an old saint. I like baseball, so I like doing it every time I talk about in the beginning. Well, it just so happens that in, I in, is the same thing as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. E-N is the Greek preposition for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When you believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you and seals you until the day of the possession being purchased, and that is when Christ comes back to get us. The rapture of the church, or you come up out of the grave when He speaks. Listen, it's so very important to understand that there is an indwelling. He said, I will be with you. Eleazar, one who comes alongside to help. He convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. Then he says, I will be in you. If you receive that conviction, if you receive that good news and stop listening to the world and all their bad news to control you, listen to the good news. He comes in you and now he's on the inside in that dead heart and he gives you a new heart and he wants to lead you out of the grave. He wants to lead you out of death culture. It ain't cancel culture, it's death culture. They're killing God's word. And it's his word that he sent to heal the land. And all you have to do is wake up. Or in fact, he says in Ephesians 5.14, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. And I'm sure, I've shared that verse probably every sermon for the past couple months, haven't I? Because we need to understand it. It's not just, oh, I believe, I believe, I get to go live any way I want. Circumspectly means as diligently as possible, as exactly as possible. Not for salvation, but because of salvation. Because the Holy Spirit is now in you and leading you out of the grave, you should be different different we're his own peculiar people his own special people titus he uh, paul told titus on the island of crete and we're supposed to be zealous for good works and there's none good but god so that work has to be done by the holy spirit as he leads you out of the grave you can't make up what you want to do just do what he leads you to do as you meet and encounter people share the gospel there's no other ministry but the ministry of reconciliation of souls. No other ministry. That's what he's left us to do is be his ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ as if God were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Don't leave this room. Don't leave this life without being reconciled. It's a free gift. Open it. Enjoy it. But don't make this place your home if you know Jesus. It's all going to burn. Oh, where are we at? Where are we at? So listen to me. Um, if, you, if you remember from last week, it was funny how um, verse 5, 5, Jesus loved Martha. She was rebellious. And then he leaves out Mary's name, their rebellion. See, because you shouldn't have that rebellion anymore. 
You was. It's a testimony now. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and we do not love our life to the death. Are you holding on to your life? Are you holding on to death culture? Are you holding on to the grave? The grave clothes? Do you see any life in death? There's none. But God uses death to bring life. So when we closed out our lesson last week, Jesus had to plainly say to them because they weren't getting it. Now listen to me. This makes me feel really good. When I'm reading or I'm doing and I'm living life and I keep messing up, his disciples were with him three years. They didn't get it half the time. He's like, let me put it to you plainly. He was doing it really in love, and I sometimes do it a little bit differently. But he said plainly to you, Lazarus is dead. You guys reading it with me? Look at it. 11, 14, Lazarus is dead, 14b. He said plainly. And then he said this, listen to me, because some of you guys go to funerals and you think differently than what Jesus does. He said, I am glad. Are you, Sid, are you, are you, are you kidding me? Are you serious? I am glad. The Lord of the universe who loves us is glad that Lazarus is dead. Are you guys getting this? Because, see, you're supposed to mourn at birth and rejoice at death. Ecclesiastes tells us, the preacher, Solomon, the wisest man that wasn't God who ever lived. He said to rejoice at death and mourn at the birth of a child. We got it upside down and backward. And see, that's what he's trying to bring across to them right now, is that you're still in the flesh. You're still living temporally. You're still looking at things from, from your eyesight instead of by faith. Paul says over in the same chapter about ambassadors, chapter 5, verse 16, maybe, we're not to regard anybody as flesh and blood anymore. See, if your eyes are open, you know it's a spiritual kingdom. These are earthly tents that are made to wear out. We're spirits in a body, not bodies with a spirit. So your spirit's going to live somewhere forever. And so now we have to get an eternal perspective of the spiritual realm and what God is doing, and we walk by faith and not by sight. Because if you start walking by sight, what's going to happen? Babylon's rising. They're getting ready to deceive you with lying signs and wonders. You're going to be following what they're saying instead of living about what God's saying. Now, I done made up this whole little thing for you today. It's pretty. Uh, my brain does this. I'm sorry. My brain always does this. So I was just going, Lord, listen, Lord. I'm going to start crying. So if I start crying, I'm not a weeping pastor, okay? I'm not a weeping pastor. Nothing wrong with crying. Even in the text, the smallest verse is going to be here today. Jesus wept. But he didn't weep because Lazarus was dead. He already knew he was going to raise him. He wept because of their unbelief that he was going to raise him. He wept because they weren't getting, it's a spiritual realm, and he is the resurrection and the life. And you have it today, not tomorrow, not in the future. 
You've been resurrected today. You have abundant life today. Today. Do you get that? So I said, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm not thinking really good here. My spirit is great, but my flesh is hurting. My flesh is grieving. Can you get it out of the way? And so then I sat down to make a few notes. And I want you to understand this because we're going to get to the text here in a minute. I want you to understand this. I, I did one of those things that I always do. And I, and I came up with a word for you. And if you, you can do a word search. If you like word searches, do this word search later, okay? The word set, S-E-T, set. You're going to find that Martha or Mary was setting at Jesus' feet because she had chosen the good thing. And out of setting at his feet, she got up and went and did the good works that she was supposed to be zealous for. She didn't make them up herself. She didn't go to seminary to find out Cemetery, many call it. Dead men's bones. So I made up this word, and this is what I want you to understand. It's spiritual, it's eternal, and it's truth. Set, S-E-T. And I did a little study, right? I go, wow, is that in the Bible, God? And he said, oh yeah, it's in there, everywhere. In fact, even in Psalms 23, you guys probably know that one. When he says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Think about it. This is not your home, but you're in the presence of your enemies. Death culture is here. But the word prepare means to set a table. To set it up for you. It's all set up. Nothing's happening by mistake in your life. It's set up. It's ordained. So that you'll learn to follow and trust God. Because my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8, 14, these are the children of God. You're not supposed to be led by Babylon and lying signs and wonders. So anyway, eternal spiritual truth. Now, who is that? That's Jesus, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to get to it. 14, 6 of John, here soon. I promise, I know we've been here for a long time. I promise we will get to chapter 14 unless we go to see him face to face first and our faith becomes sight. But I wanted you to just look at this with me just for a moment. Um, uh, first time it's used, uh, in my opinion, set. Genesis 4.15, the Lord set a mark on Cain. He was marked. What mark is on you? Remember the, the Lord relented and seeing that the thoughts and intents of man's heart was evil and he brought a flood, he brought judgment. What did he do after that, Greg? Well, I'm glad you asked. He set a rainbow, set a rainbow as a promise in the sky that he would never do that again that way. I just started looking at him and going, oh my goodness, this is amazing. The promise in Deuteronomy 28 that he will set you on high. He will set you in the proper place. But what do you have to do? Colossians 3, if you rise, Colossians 3, 
uh, one says, set your, set three, two actually, says set your affections on heavenly things. Where's your affection set today? Keeping up with the Joneses? Listen to this. We've, we've covered this. I'm going to keep covering it. Three, one. If then you were raised, stood back up again, you're standing with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Listen to me. And, and we're, we'll probably get back to that because that really is the text that Paul would write to the church in Colossae uh, about taking off the grave clothes and putting on the newness of life. That's what he begins to do in chapter 3 of, of Colossians. Now I'm going to be all over a little bit as it does. I don't normally teach a topical. I normally teach expositionally through this. But I just want you to see this in set. Set because God keeps his promises. And God is not a God of confusion. He's not out of control. He calls for order in his court. And everything is done in order. But it's all done according to his time. And he's already set it in motion. And he's not going to stop until it's finished. See, Babylon's rising right now. And they have no control of it. They think they're working out a plan. And God is in heaven laughing at them because he set it in motion. And they're going to fail. Uh, what is it? It's in uh, Genesis 17, 21. You don't have to turn to these. You can just listen and just relax. I know you like to do Bible sword drills. 17, 21 is really uh, where he promises that. Remember the son of promise? Isaac is going to be born. Uh, 17, 21, he says this. Um, but my covenant... I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at the set time next year. Notice how he said it. It's set. Spiritual, eternal truth. Not lies and confusion that the world in Babylon gives you. Babel, that's what it is. Uh, confusion by mixing. That's what Babylon means. The Tower of Babel. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into and are safe. And there is none righteous, no, not one. Unless you become a believer priest and you believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. For uh, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved from what? Your own sin nature. Saved from yourself. Saved from death. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And remember, that's a marriage covenant. Romans 10, 9, and 10 is a marriage covenant where both people say, I do at the same time to the same set of circumstances in the same place. So anyway, so after he says, no, my covenant will be with Isaac, not with Ishmael, Son of the flesh. That's, how, that's what happens with the flesh. It dies. Ishmael was them trying to do their own work without being led by God in the timing of God that he has already set. And then 21.2, Genesis 21.2, what happened? For 21.1, And the Lord visited Sarah, as he said, 
What do you mean? He gave her life in her womb. There's no life in any womb unless God brings it. He's a God of life. 21.1, And the Lord visited Sarah, as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Everything that he does, that he spoke, he will do. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And then, of course, he calls his name Isaac. And then, of course, what happens next, Greg? The amazing thing happens. You know what comes after chapter 21 of Genesis? Chapter 22. And you see a father take a three-day trip to sacrifice his son on Calvary. And he goes up the hill with wood on his back. Listen to me. You see the cross in Genesis 22 after the son of promise is born because Isaac is a type of Christ. But it was set. What has God set in your life that you need to go through? Listen, spirit, don't regard anything as flesh and blood. Yeah, but they said, listen, it wasn't them that was saying it was the spiritual powers behind them. Because they're following something. They're obeying something. They're not your enemy. Our battle is with principalities and powers, a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're standing in our set time. We're standing in the finished works of Christ. We've been set free. We're being called out. We're not going to get caught up in what they're doing. And that's what, listen to me, listen to me. They're trying to trick you into a physical battle more than ever today so that you will forget you're really in a spiritual battle for souls. And all you have to do is stand in Christ's victory on the cross and hand out the spoils of the storehouse in heaven where you're from. Yeah, but I'm stored up. My, no, the storehouse in heaven is all you need to be storing up. Get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. The word of God, 66 books by 40 authors. All God breathed. All telling the same testimony of how people believed or didn't believe. They trusted God or they didn't trust God. Listen, it's not one prayer. It's a life. My house should be a house of prayer for all nations. But you did what? You made it a den of thieves. Let the gospel change you. Don't change the gospel. Very important. Very important. Are you changing it to fit your lifestyle? Because it's already set in time. It's already set in place. It's spiritual. It's eternal. It's truth. It's not changing. He does not move. He's not moving. He's the perfect groom. And he says, husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water through the word. That he might present her to himself a spotless and clean bride without wrinkle or any such stain. But then he goes on to say, but I'm speaking of a mystery of the church. But we see the example that God wants to wash and cleanse us by the power of the Holy Spirit through the word, the word, the truth, the spiritual eternal truth that never changes. 
It's set. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not. It's set. Where are you setting? So I can keep going with this. I'm not looking at notes. I know that I'm sitting in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Paul tells me in the book of Ephesians as he writes to the church there. I'm seated positionally already in heavenly places. But while I'm down here, I should be sitting at his feet like Mary was. And remembering that I had rebellion. I was rebellious. But now I want to be like Martha in some sense. Because listen, when we get here in a minute, I'm just setting the stage I know, I did it differently on Friday night, and you guys all freaked out too. I'm setting the stage for what we're getting ready to read. Because, see, Martha had the right idea. Martha had faith, but it was weak. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The set word of God. By the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But not just because I heard it. The connotation is as I began to obey it. And then my faith grew. The whole world hears the gospel. There's not a person that's ever born that's not going to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what you do with it. And I'm still waiting for somebody to show me the altar call in the Bible. Because that's being set up to deceive people into thinking that they're okay and they're saved. I'm not trying to negate some of the content of an altar call, but I don't see the altar in the New Testament. We're just talking. I'm just talking off the cuff here. Show me an altar in the New Testament. We're the temple of God. Do you not know that the Spirit of God dwells in you? We're the altar. Let it alter you. Don't alter it. Let it change you. Don't change it. The altar's under the law. I'm not under the law anymore. We better get started or we're never going to get this done. Thomas, verse 16, chapter 11. Oh, we didn't finish chapter, verse 15, did we? We was talking about being glad. I will rejoice because he has made me glad. Amen. There's joy in the Lord. Jesus, others, and yourself. I'll give you some joy. And I am glad, verse 15 of chapter 11 of John, for your sakes, that I was not there. Why, Jesus, that you may believe? Pistio, to entrust your spiritual well-being into something, in this case, into Jesus, and then have a constancy in it. That's what that word means right there, pistio. It's a Greek number 4,100 in your strongs. Get a strongs. Learn what this is saying to you. Dig deeper. Oh, you can be saved by reading it on the surface, but he's hidden the good stuff down in there. It's hidden. And it's more precious than gold. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. 
Now, think about that for a minute, because we've, we've called him Doubting Thomas. Does that sound like doubt? He knows that, that they're trying to kill him in Jerusalem. And he says, he speaks up. Thomas does. Doubting Thomas. And he says, let us go so we can die with him. Now, it's so amazing because we're couched right in the middle of this, the flesh and the spirit. Because when they get there, what happens? Both of the sisters are going to say, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. But over here is Thomas saying, let's go and die. And we're all confined down here in death. But you can have life because he's defeated the grave. There's no victory there anymore. The wages of sin is death, but we are alive in Christ. And the devil can't take it from you. But the amazing thing is, is see, Thomas gets this doubting thing, and the Bible actually says that all of them doubted. But Thomas was just being wise. Thomas was being spirit-led. All he was saying is, unless I see the evidence, I'm not going to believe you. And listen, the church today is believing anybody that reads from the Bible. They believe anybody that says anything from a pulpit. What about the evidence of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? What about a life that is changed? What about the evidence of somebody that stood back up? Remember, resurrection means a standing up again from the grave. But it also means a recovery of spiritual truth. Listen to me. Don't just believe anybody. Test the spirits. Thomas is just saying, I need to see it because what happened? Jesus rode to Emmaus. He comes in. He sets down. He eats with them. They seen the wounds. They seen the side. They talked with him. And then Thomas shows up and they go, we seen the Lord. And he's like, well, unless I touch him, unless I see him. And then what does the Lord show him? He shows him that he was there the whole time. And that's what he's doing here as he walks them through the grave here. He wants them to see that it's more expedient that he go away so that he's not located in one spot over by the Jordan baptizing people when he could be everywhere in every man's heart that would believe. That's all he's showing. So he does these little cameo appearances and Thomas goes and he comes right in the room. He just comes right through the wall and he says, look, my hands, my side. And he says, boom, hits the floor, my Lord and my God. He believes as soon as he sees the evidence, don't believe every voice. Don't believe every witness. Don't believe every sermon. Be a Berean. Get into the word of God. Do not believe lying signs and wonders. Look at the apostasy in the church today. The popular preachers, they're lying to you. The popular ones are being, uh, here, just let me just do this real quick. If AI isn't taking them off the internet so you can watch them, why? Why? Is it because they're not telling the truth? Is it because they're leading you somewhere with, a, with, with some fake bread? To the witch's house? To rebellion? Listen, we got to wake up. AI, I mean, they, they've taken me off of Facebook twice. I got two strikes, third one I'm out. I wish they'd get it done. I don't care. It doesn't matter. This is our little congregation. You guys go out. This is the equipping station. This is for the equipping of the saints to go out and do the work of the ministry. What ministry, Greg? Reconciliation of souls. When you stand up and when you stand, people will see that light and they will want some. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. 
because it's set. It's eternal truth in the heavenlies. He sent his word to heal the land. But we got to get up out of the grave. We got to hear him speak our name. Now we've seen last week the Second Thessalonians says he says to the church in Thessalonica who's freaking out because their loved ones have died in the flesh, and he says, "I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep." And he uses that euphemism of sleep instead of death. He says, "Because, because what? The Lord Himself will descend." And with a shout and the last trumpet and the voice of an archangel. And then the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will meet the Lord in the air. And thus we'll always be with him. And we should encourage one another with these words. Listen, death is not the end of it. The question is, as you started the race? Because life is the beginning of the race. We're born dead spiritually dead. Remember, we're back to the spirit. It's got to be a spiritual life. We're born dead spiritually. And when you hear his voice and you come out of the grave, you get up, you wake up. You will rise from your sleep. And you can't be the same anymore. You can't go with God and stay where you're at. You have to be different. Because of the word of God. You've met the king of glory. You've met the Lord of Lords. We've met God, the great I am. And we're going to stay the same? Well, I didn't say you wouldn't stumble. You wouldn't mess up. You wouldn't fall down. But he's written these things so that we would not stumble. We're going to get to that. John 16, 1. That's why he wrote them. It's a, it's, a, it's a light or a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. You can see where you're standing and you can see the light out there. But don't forget you're carrying this body of sin around with you. Flesh. Remember the old story, I'll call it a story because it's a made up one, where the old dude used to come down every Friday night and fight his pit bulls. You ain't allowed to say that, are you? From the pulpit? Fight his pit bulls. That's not even politically correct anymore, is it? You can't fight pit bulls. Oh, I know. Don't send me no emails. I won't answer them. And he would go away every time. He was counting their money. They'd all lose their money. And they said, we don't know how you're doing this. And they said, it's pretty simple. It's which dog I feed the most. That's the one that's going to win on Friday night. Are you feeding your flesh or are you feeding your spirit? Are you looking to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh? Or are you looking to just do whatever you want to do? It's all right. I said a prayer. I've been deceived. There's got to be evidence of resurrection. That's what Thomas wanted to see. He wasn't doubting. Thomas wanted to make sure he was following the risen Lord and not men that was talking about the risen Lord. It's the same thing with the woman by the well. The testimony doesn't change. The woman by the well, and she goes and she tells them, and they all come. And they said, now we've heard him. We believe, that we believe because of what you said, but now we believe because we hear him. You cannot live off of your grandparents' coattails. You cannot live off of somebody else giving you testimony. You have to have a personal love relationship. You have to hear his voice. We're the witnesses, but you have to say, I do 
And by the way, that's Ido in the Greek. I thought it was I do because I'm from Kentucky. And it's E-I-D-O in the Greek. I thought it was I do, but it, when you listen to a pronunciation, it's I do. But that's the wedding ceremony. Is somebody going to get him moving? We haven't even prayed yet. This is introduction. You guys are going to be here for a while. I hope your, your steak don't burn. So Thomas wants to die. Do you want to die? Luke 9, 23. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Be in the way with me. That's what Christ is calling for. And the cross, taking up the cross, is not fancy jewelry. It was the most cruelest way to kill somebody in that day. They saved it for the cruelest criminals, the meanest criminals. Who should have taken it? Barabbas. He took Barabbas's cross. Isn't that amazing? Because Barabbas means son of the father. Bar is always son, and Abbas is father. So he took... Barabbas is this murderer, this insurrectionist, this rebellious person's cross. And then he said, follow me. It's good stuff. I wish it was easy to do. Easy to talk about. Easy to preach about. Easy to read about. Hard to do. hard to do that's why james says be doers and not hearers only deceiving yourself so you have to surrender there's only way to do it is by the power of the spirit you can't do it in the flesh nothing good dwells in the flesh i'm gonna fulfill this in the flesh i've got some works to go do you ain't gonna do nothing for jesus in the flesh filthy rags isaiah calls it it's gonna be burnt up at the beam of seat judgment it has to be done from doing what mary was doing Choosing to sit at his feet, listening for his voice and following him as he leads you by the power of the Holy Spirit. My goodness, let's read. We ain't going to get that done, but how much can we get done? You know what we're going to do? We're going to cut this short, maybe. Let's read it all. John eleven seventeen. I could do this all day. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, this is for you guys that I'm saying let's cut it short. I know you guys want lunch, and and the people teaching the children back there, they will come out here and me if I don't cut this short eventually. But I I love the Word of God. So when Jesus came, it's 1117 of John. Was you guys there when Jesus came? Did you guys meet him yet? I'm sorry, I'll get back to it. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. and Many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am 
the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who come into the world, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went away and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. He stinketh, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say, did I not say, did I not say, I got stuck on that, to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. And because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a napkin, cloth, napkin, King James. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Let's pray. Father, pour out your spirit. Help us to come out of the grave, to hear your voice and come out of the grave. And Lord, as a people with the one another ministry and the body of Christ, would we have a desire to be led by your spirit to unwrap the grave clothes that are on other people by our very witness, by our very words, by the way we follow you. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was set in time. This was going to happen for the glory of God. Listen to me. It was set. It was already spoken. This is not haphazard. He's on his way. He set his face like flint toward Jerusalem. He's going to go die for the sins of the world. This book was written by John the gracious gift of God, John, so that you and I would believe. And he specifically chose each of these testimonies to lead us to know that we're in the grave and then to lead us out of the grave after we believe. 
And he wants us to get involved. Isn't it amazing? See, it's, it's so amazing that we get to chapter 12. Where are we at in chapter 12? Don't go there. Let's listen. Jesus is back at the table with them. Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They're all at the table eating a fellowship meal together. Remember what Jesus said to the church? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with he and he with me. That's what we're going to see in chapter 12. That somebody heard his voice and came out of the grave and is now set down at the banqueting table having a meal with God. Everything that he has set in place will happen exactly the way he said it. But we need to understand it and believe it and stop walking around in unbelief, following the flesh in our own, in our own conceits or our own selfishness, which is what Babylon wants to teach us. You need more self-esteem. No, you need to die to self. That's what the Bible said. Not get more self-esteem. Get Christ-esteem. Die to yourself. Put self in the grave. Kick him in the face. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Galatians 2.20. But the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. See, he died for us. He died in our stead instead of us. We don't have to die. He's getting ready to say that. So Jesus came, waited purposely till four days. Why? Because he was um, destroying their false doctrine. That the spirit hovered around the body for three days. He was destroying it. He wanted to make sure everybody's seen this. He wanted to make sure it happened. You know what I think? I think, and this is just my opinion, I think he really didn't want to do this. But he was doing it for them that they would see and believe. Because think about this for a minute. Is it really good? See, my wife is in heaven. My wife has got a new body. My wife is going to, see, I told you I was going to cry. My wife is going to be there forever in his presence. She's heard his voice. Do you think she'd want to come back after being in the presence of God? And Lazarus is in the grave and God's going to call him back. He's going to have the same body. He's not getting the resurrected body. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. But think about this for a minute. Do you think God, who's going to die in a few days and lay down his life for us so that we would never have to die and that we could be with him? That's what it's all about, crossing the finish line and be with him forever in fellowship. But we choose to have it freely, free will agents, not robots, not angels. And he has to call him back out of the grave after he's already died. And it's only appointed for men to die once and then comes the judgment. Supernatural miracle because he protects his body. It's not decomposed. It actually can walk out. It actually can still hear. It's a picture of our spiritual condition of how we're born dead. We have ears to hear. We hear his voice. We come out. So he knows he's in the tomb for four days. He already told us that. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem. Jerusalem means teaching peace. About two miles away. Pretty easy to walk that. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. 
when somebody dies in a family, when you do lose a loved one, it is great to, to comfort one another. Uh, it means to speak near. And, and, you know, there's a lot of things that we say, and, and a lot of times we can be Job's miserable counselors around somebody that has lost a loved one. We can say things that just make no sense. You know, the best thing to do is to be silent around them. Just be there. Because walking up to somebody and saying, I know how you feel, don't make no sense. Walking up to somebody and go, you know, I lost a dog once, and boy, I just felt terrible. That makes no sense. But you know what? On the other side, we want to give grace and mercy, and we just receive people's comfort no matter where they're at. Because we live for Jesus. But only God can comfort those who mourn. Only God can comfort you where you need to be comforted at. Listen to me. Because it's in your heart. It's in the middle of you. It's your spirit. Only God can comfort you when you lose a loved one. But that does not mean that we don't go out to comfort others. But when you comfort them, tell them to look to Jesus, to cast their care upon the Lord because He cares for them. He's acquainted with their grief. He's a man of sorrow. He knows. That's why He came down to become altogether like us, to be born in flesh, to become our kinsman redeemer so that He would be fleshed, the nearest of kin, he would have a right to buy us back, and then he would walk out his life and live a perfect life, and then he would have the means to buy us back with his perfect blood, and then you still have to choose to sit at his feet. Just like Ruth did when she went to Boaz. She had to choose to listen to the witness of Naomi. Oh, what was her name? She changed it, didn't she? Because she was going through something, and she said, my name is not Naomi anymore. Friend, it is now Was her name Naomi Friend? Is that it? No, it's not, is it? My Delight or something. Uh, She changed her name to Mara, which means bitterness. But then she was still a witness. And she still told Ruth what to do. We just read the book of Ruth. If you guys aren't reading it with us, then. um, And then Ruth had to choose to eat from his field, to glean in his field, to go to the kinsman redeemer and enjoy the spoils of what he was doing in providing for all of her needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then she had to literally go and get at his feet. And that's what you and I are supposed to be doing. You know, Jesus didn't say my house should be a house of the word. He was the word. Jesus didn't say my house should be a house of fellowship. We should have fellowship. He said, my house shall be a house of prayer to all nations. Because that's where you learn dependency at, is in petitioning. It's an oratory chapel. It's having the best kind of worship that there is. Where you bow at his feet. Proskuneo is the word. You're laying at his feet. Where have you been laying at? Where are you hanging out at? I'm not being mean. I'm not trying to shame. I'm not playing a game here. But if you want to be led out of the grave and you want to stop and you want to understand that the power of sin has been taken, then you need to be at Jesus' feet. 
And I mean, it, 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 listen, a lot of times Sunday service don't even mean much to you if you ain't been at Jesus' feet. I've been blessed. I, I tell people this all the time. I've been blessed to, to be able to lay my clothes out on Saturday night for 25 years now. I have an appointment with the king. It just so happens I was so rebellious, he made me the pastor so I couldn't just be home sorting my socks. See, I have all kinds of excuses for not being here on Sunday morning. But he said, you're the most rebellious one, so I'm going to put you in the front. Listen, if you think you're chief of sinners, then what has he called you to do? What are you supposed to be doing as you follow him? Most people don't get at his feet because they're afraid he might call them to do something. When you're following him, walking in the spirit, you don't have time to follow something else. I'm never going to get this sermon done. You guys learn anything? So many of these, now I don't know which is right and which ones are there, but you know, they had a, they were a pretty well-to-do family, uh, I suppose, because in this day, what you would do is if you loved your family is you would hire professional mourners to come. You would hire them. You would have them at home for a week, and then for 30 days, you'd have professional mourners singing outside the grave if you had the money to do that. And man, we were just talking about it. It's expensive to bury somebody. Very expensive. And, and, and the more money you spend, then, then, then the broker you'll be. Oh, I said that backward, didn't I? The more money you spend, then it looks like you love them more. That's nonsense. That's some worldly gauge at doing things. I better quit that. I'm going to go back to this. Listen, so they would hire professional mourners to come. And so I don't know which ones of these were professionals, which ones were really comforting, which ones were really people that loved them, who, what they were motivated by. Why are you trying to comfort somebody if it's not with Jesus? If it's not by the Spirit of God? What is your motivation in life? Listen to me. Because a lot of times we think we got to say something. Remember Peter having nothing to say said? Sometimes we just say stuff and we have nothing really to say. You know what usually happens? Just like Peter, we end up with our feet in our mouth. Washing our feet. Verse 20. Now Martha, she was rebellious. Now she was rebellious as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary, their rebellion, was setting in the house. Now listen to me because it's really good. I like knowing what words mean. That's why I look them all up. Um, Martha is about the business. She's ready to get it done. She's a lot like Peter was, real impetuous, sometimes forgetting the Spirit. Remember Peter says, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not tell you that, but my Father in heaven. And then he turns right around and goes, no, you're not going to go die. And he has to rebuke him and say, get behind me, Satan, because your mind is not upon the things of God. And see, this is the way she was rebellious is. It's a character of me and you. We, we used to be rebellious. Now we're trying to live for Jesus. We're trying to follow and we want to run out and do things, but we want to run out and do it with our own hands and it becomes religion. We want to go comfort people without asking God, should I be comforting them? We want to go start a food bank without asking God, should I start a food bank? 
The other church is doing it, so it must be the things that Christians do. But it's a personal love relationship. He's your groom. He wants to use you in the way that he's built you. You've been called for that reason. You don't have to do what everybody else has done. If we all look the same, we'll all be one big mouth running down the street instead of a body of Christ with him as the head. We all have different gifts, different talents, different abilities. But the problem is, is we have cancer in the body of Christ and you have to cut it off. Sometimes that's the only way to save the body. See, what cancer is, is cells that begin to become selfish and they just do what they want to do instead of doing what the body was designed to do. And so you have cancer living in the body of Christ. It's called apostasy. It's called selfishness. It's called sin nature. It's called whatever you want it to be, but it is not life in the spirit. And our sin affects everybody around us. It affects everybody, like a pebble being tossed in a puddle and the ripple effects goes out and it affects people differently. Some people can walk right by it. They're grown. They're they're maturing Christ. They can give grace and mercy. They can see it on your face. They can pray for you. Some people will argue with you. Some people will not be at peace with you. Some people will call you names and, and all kinds of things. But a mature Christian will learn that all of us have issues and we need to cancel subscriptions. All of us are growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, or should be at least. I like saying, always be on the grow. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. There's no standing still in the kingdom of God. You're going back into the pit, or you're going onward and upward in Christ Jesus, forgetting the dog that bit you, forgetting that which is behind you, Paul would say. So, Martha, look at faith. I mean, she really does believe. She runs right out there. She's like, oh, he's here now. We were praying that he would have been here before and that Lazarus would have never died. See, you have to go through stuff. I was praying that I wouldn't lose that job. You have to go through stuff. It's okay, though. It's set in time. Now you have to say, Lord, how do I deal with this? Where's the wisdom in this? How am I a witness through this? How do I continue to be a man of God, a woman of God in this? Because I know I got to go through it. I can't get around it. I can't go above it. And I got to get up and talk to people tomorrow. It's set. You have to go through things to the glory of God. It should be a witness to God. Honor and praise and worship of Him is what that word glory, doxa, in the Greek means. It's a doxology. It's the end of something, right? What's it look like in the end? You started well. How are you going to finish your race? The end. See, everybody says, oh, just say a prayer. That's the beginning of the race. There's three parts of the race. There's, There's the beginning, there's the body or the middle of the race, and then there's the end of the race where you cross the finish line and you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the glory of the Lord, enter into my rest. You don't want to hear, be away from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness and wickedness. You don't want to hear that. But Lord, Lord, open those. We cast out damage in your name. We did miracles in your name. I I never knew you. Wow. You mean that can happen to people that are actually running this race and look like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing? Yes. Jesus warned us in Matthew 7. If you're building on the rock, Who is that? That's the people who do the will of my Father, who obey my Father. Or you're building on the sand, 
What's your foundation? Is it set? Paul told the church in Corinth, as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation. I can build on nothing else. You can't build with anything else. You can't use wood, hay, or stubble. You can't use gold or silver. It has to be a relationship with God if you want to build a spiritual house. I'm never going to get done with this. We're going to be here till, mon till Monday. So Martha, 21. When she gets to where Jesus is at, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, kurios, supreme in authority. She knows who he is. If you had been here, you got any ifs in your life? Get rid of them. He was there. He's everywhere. He's God all over. He knows. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Now, that's a, it's an interesting statement, and you, you see the faith in it. She knew because she had seen him heal the sick. She hadn't seen him raise no dead yet, but she's seen him heal the sick. They understood resurrection, and you know he talked about it in chapter 5. She might have been present. But I think, and I'm just going to say it out loud, and I probably shouldn't read into the text. That's bad. I think, knowing her impetuousness, her anxiousness, that she's doing things on her own, she's saying, look at Mary pointing at everybody else, that she was a little bit snarky with it. Anybody know what snarky means? She was just, I, I just think she had a little attitude about it. You ever get into prayer and you got a little attitude and you're telling God what he should have been doing, how it should have happened? I'm just saying, because I think Mary's going to come and she's going to say the exact same statement, but there's not any snarkiness in it. There's just truth in it. I think that Martha's a little bit snarky. Just my opinion. It's an, like an armpit. It probably stinks. I'm going to throw it out. You don't like it. You throw it out. Don't let it confuse you in the text. Don't let it confuse you. She was rebellious. We still have that. We're being sanctified and cleansed, washed with the water of the, with the word. And so we still got a little bit of that in us. And we're going to see here in a minute, she doesn't know he's God. Oh, look at verse 22. But even now, I know, that's, that's I do right there, I do. Uh, it means she understands that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. See, she's been around with him long enough and she knows that he prays and God moves, but she doesn't know he's God. She believes he's just the anointed, the Messiah, the Mashiach, the, the, the Savior of the world. She believes that. But she does not know he is God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. She hasn't come to that understanding. She just believes he's the God-man sent. Oh, did I tell you guys that sent, apostello means set apart? When I was talking about set, it's all set. You've been sent. We're going to see that in a minute. You've been set apart wholly to do the work of God. That's what it means. Sent means set apart. And they sent for Jesus to come. And then he sent them when they heard his voice. And we've been set apart to do thy will, O God. So she knows. I mean, there's faith there, but she doesn't know that he is God Almighty. 
100% God, 100% man. Don't know how it works, but I like it. He's showing his humanity. We obviously see that. 23, Jesus said to her, you know what's important? My words are not in red. What's important is what Jesus says. Guess what he said? Everything in this Bible, except for all those miserable counselors of Job, except for Solomon when he was backslidden, except for Saul when he was being silly and, and, and before he, he died and God killed him. See, some of that stuff, it's all the Word of God. It's all the testimony of disobedience or obedience, belief or unbelief. But you've got to be discerning and ask God, is that the heart I'm supposed to have? Judas went out and hung himself. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Even though it's the Word of God and the testimony of God, it reveals the difference in what you think about God and how you should believe about God. She was rebellious and she didn't know that he was God standing in her presence as the son of God, born of a virgin. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Of course, rise is to stand up, to raise up, to stand upright it's not the same word for resurrection. Remember, he was not resurrected. Jesus is the first fruit to the resurrection. He rose from the grave into the same body. When Jesus rose, he got a glorified body. There's a lot of difference there. Jesus has to be the first fruit to the resurrection. It follows the feast. Martha said to him, now this is Martha, she was rebellious, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last days, in the final days. See, she's, her only hope is in the final days over death. Her only hope is at the end of times. Listen, today is the day for salvation. Today is the day to walk this out. We don't want to re tell people, hey, your hope is in the resurrection, in the final day. Well, how did that help people 2,000 years ago? See, he's a living God today. You have a salvation today. You have a walk today. You have been called to be a witness today of the light of the world that takes away the sins of the world. And that's why Jesus is going to tell her there's more about him than she knows. She believes that there is going to be a resurrection Look what Jesus says in verse 25. Jesus said to her, see, he's leading her. She has a belief in her heart. He wants her to grow. She believes there's a resurrection. But he says to her, wait, I am the resurrection and the life. He who pistios, he who believes, puts her eternal trust in me. Notice it's going somewhere. You see them signs that just say believe? In what? That's apostasy. Believe in what? You have to put your trust in something. Either in Jesus or you're believing in a Babylonian system, the Babel, Tower of Babel rising again. One world government training you through AI because you're chasing the spoils. Remember what happened when that happened in the Old Testament? Second city, city after Jericho. They destroyed Jericho. Some people had sin in the camp. Next city was Ai. 
They didn't ask God. They didn't listen to God. There was sin in the camp. They tried to attack. People died because sin affects people. Sorry, sidebar. Here we go. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Talking of the physical body. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die, speaking spiritually, because this is where he wants to get them to. And then he moves for an answer. When you're witnessing to somebody, you're talking to somebody, you ever move for an answer? That's what Jesus just did. He didn't say, you want to say a prayer with me? Listen, he didn't say, say a prayer with me and you'll come and be in heaven and everything will go perfect and you'll get a new job and a lot of money and buy everything. He didn't say none of that nonsense that we teach in the church today. What did he say? Do you believe? Do you believe what I just said? Do you believe my word as it came out of his mouth? Do you believe this? You know what she answered? She answered that she didn't. Look what she says. She said to him, yes, Lord. Yes, Kurios, I believe. And then what did she do? She added to it. I believe, and she stated the truth that she had already in her heart. I believe, are you with me? You are the Christ, the Mashiach, the Son of God, Messianic terms, who is to come into the world. So she had no problem believing he was the Messiah, but she doesn't believe he's God that he's already set all of this, that God is speaking to her face to face and already knew everything. Even though he's in the flesh, he knows. He said, I am. Of course, remember, this is the fifth one. Going to be seven total in the book of John. This is, goes back to Exodus 3.14. Moses said, who will I say sent me? He said, I am that I am. I am the self-existing one. This is ego of me. When you say I, you're in trouble because I is Greek. Remember, it's ego. And the acrostic is ease God out. I was down there and I did this and I said that and I... You just ease God out of it. He says, I am the resurrection. Not only is he the resurrection, but he's the life. So it's now, it's today, guys and gals. Oh, let's read it again. Colossians 3.1. If then you were raised with Christ. Oh, really? We were raised with Christ? Supernaturally, when you believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised you from the dead. When you believe, then you're raised also. You come up out of your spiritual tomb of death and you come to life. He is not only just the resurrection where he stands up again, but he is the recovery of spiritual truth. They were so apostate. Now listen, there's always a remnant. You've seen it with Simeon and Anna in the temple when they went to, on the eighth day, the new beginning, and they circumcised Jesus and dedicated him. There was people that believed they were waiting. Simeon said, the Lord told me that I would see the Lord's Messiah before I went to the grave, before he died physically. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection. I am the standing up again. I am the recovery of spiritual truth. I am declaring the kingdom of God. And he's the life. 
not a life. These are, these are, they, I, I, I'm not really good with English. I'm from, uh, well, I quit school. Uh, the is, is uh, uh, what are these? These are um, definite articles, I think, is what you call them. And they're pointing out that there's no other. They're definitely, he's the resurrection, he's the life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? See, our hope is today, it's a living hope. It's a new and living way. But people walk around like they're defeated, that they've been knocked down and, and they're destroyed. But Paul said, knocked down, but not destroyed. Because we know that we're alive. We know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We know that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, what does that mean? To live, everything that I do is going to be about Christ. And if I die and this earthly tent wears out, then it's gain because now I get to see him face to face. That's the finish line. Where is that once again in the church today? He took the victory of death. He took the pain of death. He rose again. And I know that's a, a final thing that happens, but it's there now. It's the truth. It's set in place. You can't get through all this, Greg. Do you believe this? Or do you just believe that he's the Christ and you got to go on and do what you have to do? Yeah, but Greg, you're not living in a real world. See, that was on Sunday, but on Monday, I got to go back out there to the factory. And then I got to do what everybody else is doing to keep up with the Joneses and to get away with what I'm doing so I can get some stuff because I got to pay the rent. If you've been here very long, you know that God's the one that pays your rent. He doesn't even pay your paycheck. Or excuse me, that your boss doesn't even pay your paycheck. God does. If you have a job, it's from the Lord. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. And in Him, there's no shadow or shifting. Quit looking at the world like it's doing something for you. It's a dead man's pit. It's a grave. It has nothing to offer. It's Babylon. Everything that it's doing is teaching you not to live by faith. That's why we're in the world, but not of the world. I got to find a place to stop here. So she believes he's the Christ, he's the Messiah. She doesn't believe he's God. Do you believe he's God? Very important. 28. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling you. Now, I got to be careful, but I'm going to go there anyway. Was that in the text? Did you guys hear Jesus say, hey, Martha, go tell Mary to come here? Did anybody hear that? See, because as Christians, we do this. We decide what needs to be done and where people need to go. And then we go tell them what we think God said. And we go, oh, it's from the Lord. It's from the Lord. Are you sure? See, I see a couple books here. I see the secret and I see Jesus calling here. Both of them from the pit of hell. 
be very careful, you little white lies, because there's no little white lies. They're all from the devil. I do not see this. Now, I might get in trouble later uh, when I get to heaven and say, hey, uh, that's not true. We had a whole long conversation. All you got was a little narrative of it. But I don't see Jesus telling her to go get Mary and tell Mary to come here. And yet she decided that's what she was supposed to do. She decided that in her anxiousness, remember, where's, where's Mary at? Mary's at home sitting, probably praying, sitting in the house where she's supposed to be. And now Martha, who says we need to do something because somebody's died, our brother's died, and we got to get up and do something. I heard that teaching before. Do something because uh, it's hard to hit a moving target. No, be still and know that I am God. Read the Bible. Let him minister to you. Let him comfort you. Let him speak to you. And I think she got up and she went and did that and told Mary so that Mary would get up and go see Jesus where he was at physically when she was actually spending time in prayer. And now she got up and had to go do something when she could have just been sitting and enjoying the house. Not, I can't tell you for sure. And you might not agree with me with the book, The Secret, or with Jesus Calling, but I think about every book that's written other than the Bible is trash. It's regurgitated truth. When you can have the Holy Spirit teaching you the set truth, that doesn't mean they're all of no use. But be very careful with them because they can lead you someplace that you don't want to be. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in a place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary arose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep. Now, the word for weep here is well, it's moan, it's loud, it's loud crying. We haven't seen that she was doing that yet, but they think that that's what she's going to do. 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell down at his feet. Isn't that where she's always at? Listen to what she does when she sees Jesus. Feet. On her face. Feet. Worshiping. Saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing that Martha said, but I believe she was saying it out of a loving heart of just the actual truth. No snarkiness. Although both of them are perfect faith, um, we just need to be careful with our rebellion. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, they're wailing, they're crying, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Have you guys ever looked this up? He groaned. He was troubled. Groan means to snort with anger. Let's just listen to me. Hear me out. It means to blame. It means to have indignation. That's what this means. He's not happy with those actions. Listen, when, when you have a loved one that is, has died... They really didn't die. 
if they know Jesus. Listen to me. They're more alive now than they've ever been. And it's okay to cry because we have this stinking flesh that will cry. Like I said, my spirit is doing great. It's my flesh that stinks. He groans in his spirit and he's troubled. Of course, spirit is pneuma. It's the third person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it means, in troubled, it means he was stirred and he was agitated. He was disturbed by the actions of the loud weeping and wailing. See, when we lose a loved one, we do cry, and it's okay to cry, and he's acquainted with our grief. He's able to secure us. He's able to help us. But we don't grieve as the world grieves, as those without any hope, especially when somebody knows Jesus. So he's a little bit troubled by it. That's why he said, for your sake, it was good that I was not here. And that's why he waited the extra day. He knew if he'd have been there, he'd have probably been tempted to heal him and he wasn't supposed to because he was supposed to raise him from the dead for the glory of God. It was supposed to be a witness so that they would believe, that you and I would believe, that we would be able to trust God with resurrection, with raising. We would be able to know that death has no victory. It has no sting. And it might make us a little bit concerned about sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. Because if they know Jesus, we know where they will be if they're absent from the body. It's interesting that he says Lazarus come forth here in a minute. You know, if he had just said come forth, all the graves might have got up. When he calls, when the trumpet sounds and he speaks, he's going to call you by name. Because there's going to be some that stay in the grave. But there's going to be physical evidence of graves open to show people that it really happened. They're going to be able to see it by sight that graveyards opened up and people got up out of the grave. It's going to be evidence because the evidence of God is everywhere. It's already set. I'm going to close. Quit groaning and being troubled in your spirit. And he says in 34, where have you laid him? The place where you settled him at. They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then in verse 35, we see Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. If you tell me you can't memorize scripture, then I'm going to tell you, memorize John eleven thirty-five. 35. Jesus wept. Now, Jesus didn't weep the way they were weeping. Listen to me. This is just cried. Just a little cry. But he didn't weep. He didn't cry for the same reason they're crying. Think about it. Why would he cry and weep about Lazarus being in the tomb when he knows he's getting ready to raise him? Is he concerned with your pain and your grief? Yes, very much. But he's also concerned that you're looking at the physical, the temporal, and not the spiritual, eternal truth that our loved ones are going to rise in the resurrection, especially those that know Jesus. He talked about this in John chapter 5. Those who have done bad to the resurrection of death 
and those who have done good to the resurrection of the good. Jesus is weeping at their unbelief that they're putting on such a show just like the world. Now, it's okay, again, listen to me, to cry. It's okay to mourn. It's okay, you know, when you pick up the phone and you go to call your loved one. That's normal part of grief and going through it in the flesh. But Jesus wants them to know that he's the resurrection and the life, and this is not the end of it all, and that we're spiritual people that are going to live in eternity with him forever. And he wants us to go out and go through the same things that the world is going through, but go through it differently because of who we know, because of the relationship that we have, because we know the end of the testimony of God, the history of God. So once again, it's okay. But Jesus is weeping because of their unbelief. Jesus is weeping because they're not getting the spiritual realm and they're still tied to this temporal, this down here. And then the Jews, those standing around comforting and mourning, may be hired to do it. Uh, be careful with hirelings. Listen to me. Be careful what hirelings say. The good shepherd is not a hireling. He laid down his life. We just went through this in chapter 10. But a hireling flees. A hireling says stuff to comfort you that's not true. They make up things. And they repeat things that aren't true. See what they said? The Jews said, see how he loved him? And before you go chasing, that's not agape, that's phileo, brotherly love. No, God so loved the world, agape, that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever would believe in him would not die, would not perish, but would have everlasting life. The very verse that everybody memorizes, but then when we get to the funeral, we act as if we're people with no hope. Oh, it hurts. Believe me, it hurts. I got a fresh wound. It hurts. I don't understand it completely. I believe it. I know it. But navigating through it hurts. But my spirit's fine. My wife is better than fine. So even here, and even as I say at all funerals, is the funeral's not for them. See, we've got it upside down. We've got it physical. And we we're like, oh, we're celebrating them. The funeral's for you, the living, that need to take it to heart and need to understand that it's appointed for man to die once. And then comes the judgment. Judgment for what? Did you believe Jesus? Did you believe his word? Did you believe the testimony of sin and righteousness and judgment? See, funerals are for the people that are in the audience listening. Everything Jesus is doing right here is for the people listening. It's not for Lazarus. Until he calls him out of the grave. Funerals are for you and me. I've had people get totally mad and get up and walk out of funerals at me. Because they want to talk and tell stories about their loved one and make up things. 
instead of talk about Jesus and this not being the end of it all. He's weeping because of their unbelief, their lack of understanding. He's weeping. Yes, yes, because of the pain that many do go through. But he's telling us we don't have to go through it. And listen, don't hear me saying you can't cry at a funeral. That's not what I'm saying. We don't grieve as those who have no hope, though. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And I'm going to close here. Remember, many of these were there. They were in Jerusalem. They seen it. You can't, you can't deny it. Remember, he opened the eyes of the blind. We were blind and he opened our eyes. We were born blind. We were born dead. And he gave us spiritual eyes and he raised us from the grave. How can we keep living in the grave? How can we keep living the same way? These are being witnesses. Even as they say this, they're being witnesses that they've seen him heal the blind man. They're being witnesses of it. And of course he could. And of course he was there. And I like it that he groans in himself. You know what that is? That means he groaned in the spirit the same way that he groaned in himself. Because he is the spirit. The Bible tells us that, that he is the spirit of the Lord. The Lord is the spirit, the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 3.17. I'm going to stop. We'll get to the tomb next week. I already gave you the preface of it where he's going to call him out and then he's going to ask those standing around to remove. He is risen indeed, Ray. Could this man, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? He's getting ready to answer that for him. What are you going through in your life that you're saying, Lord, you knew. I remember the first time my wife fell out. My wife had a radical neck dissection from ear to ear with cancer when she was 27 and they did something and they clipped something in her ear uh, with her equilibrium. And she used to have these spells where she could be standing and talk to you just as lucid as possible. And then boom, she'd hit the floor. And the first time I ever seen that she hit the floor and slid all the way across the room and almost hit her head on the dresser the way she fell. And I got mad at God. I, well, I, I can't say mad. I said, Lord, you knew that was going to happen. And then I apologized because he works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And even though he knows and he could change it, these things are set in your life by the decisions you make because you reap what you sow. Sow corn, you get corn. You sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. And it's coming soon. But you know what? If you sow to righteousness, guess what? Even if you die, you will live. 
And when he speaks, you'll hear his voice. If you learn right now to hear his voice, to know his word, to articulate his word, then if you learn it now, you'll reap that in the resurrection. When he speaks, your grave will open because you know the voice of life and you follow. But you have to begin to sow that now. Oh yeah, believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Trust him, but that's the starting line. Now get in the word, prayer, and fellowship. Confess your sin. Be accountable. Get involved. Ask him, why did you call me? How do I deal with this? Seek counsel in the multitude of counselors. Wage your war. It's a body. It's not a spectator sport. He called us all for a reason. He bought us with the precious blood of his son. And he called you to be part of the body, to help one another. It's the one another ministry. It's all the way through the Bible. One another. But when you have your eyes focused on yourself and that's all you care about, what's in it for me? Tune the guitar pastor and everything's about how it it does your flesh. You become a cancer and you don't even know it. And it cuts you off from fellowship. It cuts you off from the word of God. It cuts you off from prayer. And he died so that you could be grafted into the vine. And he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if a man abide in me, live in me and I in him, that's a relationship where the two become one. That's a funeral where you both die and then you're resurrected. You'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. We're going to get there too, I promise, unless we go in the rapture. Where are you at today? And that can't be soon enough. Where are you sitting at today? Where are you set at? In Christ. Where are you? What have you been sowing? Are you coming out of the grave? Have you heard his voice? Maybe you're like Thomas and you're saying, let's go that we can go die with him. Don't do it in the flesh. Don't regard anything as flesh anymore. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you as you die. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for calling us out of the grave, Lord, that we're no longer pit dwellers. Uh, Correct us, rebuke us, exhort us, build us up. Have your way with us, Lord. Have your way with us. That we would not be Marys, but we would be Marthas who listen to your spirit. We would understand the testimony that that's not us anymore. Lead us out of the grave, Lord, onward and upward to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Help us to quit looking behind us, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you.
And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I